we're slashing pussy in half. Give us an upper on our best selection of pussy. This is a pussy blowout. All right, we got white pussy, black pussy, Spanish pussy, yellow pussy. We got hot pussy, cold pussy. We got wet pussy. We got smelly pussy. We got hairy pussy, bloody pussy. We got snapping pussy. We got silk pussy, velvet pussy, nalga high pussy. We even got horse pussy, dog pussy. Chicken pussy, come on, you want pussy? Come on in, pussy lovers. If we don't got it, you don't want it. Come on in, pussy lovers. Attention, pussy shoppers. Take advantage of our plenty pussy sales. If you buy one piece of pussy at the regular price, you'll get another piece of pussy of equal or lesser value for only a penny. Try and be pussy for a penny. If you can find cheaper pussy anywhere, fuck it. <laughs> Took a bite out of my range Thought my teeth would break the mounted Let's go, I wanna go On the way to the horizon I took a drink out of the ocean and Tread water there before a drown Let's dive, I wanna dive To the bottom of the ocean Okay, uh, good evening, uh, good afternoon, good morning, and welcome to episode 127 of Dude and a Monkey. My name is Ian Long, and as always, I'm joined by... Mark Foster, hello guys! Yes, and uh, so yes, we are back, it's only been five days since we last recorded, so uh, there might be some tangenting just to fill up time, but uh, I know Noel likes that, and hopefully other people do, so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be doing a main review of Everest. Um, the uh, very good ensemble cast film by uh, Two Guns and Contraband director Balthasar Kormakor, uh, which is a fantastic, lovely name. Um, it is, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's it's that is amazing, that name. It is amazing. Um, right, and uh, we'll also have some what we watched, because, uh, I mean, I, I know I've watched a few things in the interim. I don't know about Mark, but um, I certainly I've, I've, I've got a couple, yeah. Yeah, cool. So, um, yeah, we'll be all right. Um, we were just talking just before um, we came on, though, uh, about football and just thought we'd shove it in the start here. Um, yeah, Liverpool. Yeah, it's... It, uh... It's a horrible, depressing time to be a Liverpool fan um, at the moment. Uh, I, I was just saying to Ian, just like off, off air, I, I'm now at the point where I have no idea what uh, Brendan Rodgers has to do to, to get the boot. Um, I've gone from thinking that um, towards the end of last season, when we, well, actually at the end of last season, when I thought he should go and it, you know that was it, his time was gone, I went from thinking then, you know, he's a good guy, but it's... It's too soon for him. It, you know, he should have. 
he's, cut, he's cutting his teeth essentially at, at an elite prestige club and he maybe in five years time or ten years time even would have been ready for this bigger job um but now i'm i'm at the point where i'm he's starting to i'm starting to get very kind of angry i've, I've kind of kept quite stum on it um until i think on um Thursday night after the Bordeaux match, I think I might have referred to him on Twitter as a walking Giacomo catalogue um, and uh, described him as the sort of person who would tell you uh, which country all his furniture was from in his house. Uh, I'm, I'm very much, very, very much done with, with his bland, boring, bullshit football and his confused approach to going... Ooh, I'm going to buy an attacking midfielder and then I'm going to play them... No, sorry, no, that. I'm going to buy a striker and I'm going to play them on the left of midfield. Uh. All right. I'm going to buy a right-back and I'm going to buy an 18-year-old uh, central defender who can play right-back I'm going to play him left-back. Why? We've got a left-back. He's all right. It's just... He's, he's a confused mess. He's constantly trying to do something clever uh, instead of just doing something simple. And we are just so easy to play against. We, we, there's, I've never seen a team as easy to play against as Liverpool. It constantly looks like we're playing with ten men. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's the thing. Like whenever you whenever you like see Liverpool were playing, it's just like right, who are they going to be shit against this time? That that's it. I, I can I can quite happily I can take. Um, Drawing against, you know, getting beat by United, for instance. I can take that as long as you're playing well. But we were awful uh, last week uh, against United. And what made it worse was United were awful. It was, it was, that game last week was, was two terrible teams being terrible at each other. And then all it took was one of those two terrible teams to do something good in a sequence. And they scored. So United did very well with a cleverly worked free kick, which, when you look at it, actually defensively, should never happen. That's it was it was pub football defending from Liverpool, and then a penalty, and then two really good goals. It, it's it's just we are so bad, so so bad. Yeah, I, yeah, it's a matter. Of, it's got to be a matter of time. Like, I, it's just, it's got to be. I mean, like you'd be saying about about that about Newcastle if it weren't for the fact that Steve McLaren's only been in charge for a few months as well. But um, I don't know, like Sunderland as well. Um, I mean, even Aston Villa again, a little bit squeaky bum time. You know, it's a, a fascinating start to the season. It really is. Just because it like, is. I mean, the, the promoted teams were all doing really well as well. Well, pretty bloody well as well. You know. Yeah, it's one of those things where you can never really, you can never really tell um, what's going to happen uh, with a league until you're really eight games in, and then eight games in you start to go. You, let's say, if you're a team who, for instance, Leicester, a lot of people tipping them for the drop, right? And they're now what five games are we into the season and? Leicester have got you know a you know a decent a surprising amount of points on the board. If they get another three games, you get another six points out of those three games. For a team like Leicester, that is it. They're you know they're probably going to look at that and go, do you know what? These points we've accrued now are probably going to mean we're going to be safe. They're a third at the very least. They're about a third of the way to being safe. Yeah. September. Well, 
when you look at the, the other point, you can look at it and say, well, Chelsea now have got ground to make up on City because they've had a poor start. Now, when you're a team at Liverpool and, you know, you go to Arsenal and you get a, you get a point. So your first three games are Stoke away, Bournemouth at home and Arsenal away. And you finish that with seven points. You can go, do you know what? That's not too bad. That's, you know, that, that's a not too, you can, you can be happy with that points haul. But we were terrible in all those games. I mean, we were awful mm. in each of those games, with the exception of 15 minutes at Arsenal. And then we've got beat by West Ham, got beat by United, and then drawn with Norwich at home. So you're looking at it going, well, fuck. You know, imagine if you'd have, yeah, got beat by United, but won your other two home games. That's another six points on the board. You're five points ahead of Chelsea, you know, with six games gone. That's a fucking hell of a thing. And now you're in 13th with a negative goal difference because you can't score goals. It's not like they're like Arsenal as well, where, you know, Arsenal fans are are basically constantly complaining, but they have really high highs to go with the lows. Like when Arsenal are on, they are insane. Yeah, it's just they're on like one in every four games. Yeah, that's I mean, the thing is, we've we've. It, it, we've not played well. We played well. I watched pretty much every game last season, and we played well twice last season. Man City at home, Swansea at home. The rest of it, we didn't play well. And people always go back to the United game in, I think it was December, where we got beat three 0 and go, oh, well, they played well there. They were unlucky. Had it been, you know, David De Gea had a, an amazing Did game. Did you know, say that was like him. the best performance of the, se- the, the season up to that point or something? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It's, like, it's like, it's like, no, right? Creating chances and then not putting them in the, in the net, which is, is something that Liverpool have really struggled with it in his, out of his three seasons that he's been, three and a bit seasons now he's been Liverpool manager. There's, there's one clear thing that Suarez nearly won us the title. Not Rodgers. Rodgers didn't have anything to do with it yeah. at all. It was Suarez. And when people point at it and say, yeah, but Sturridge got 20-odd goals that season. It's like, yeah, do you know why? Because all these defenders were going, shit, what's he going to do? What's that mad bastard going to do? Um, fuck. And we're too busy worrying about what Suarez was going to do to pay any attention to Sturridge. And then just all this momentum built, and it just went crazy. And teams, we literally just went out in the first 20 minutes and just went, we're going to beat in the first 20 minutes. We're going to bang three in against you in the first 20 minutes. And you're either going to spend the rest of the game terrified of us or the rest of the game trying to get back at us and we'll just catch you on the break. As soon as you take that, essentially, is one of the best players in the world out of it, Rodgers has gone, oh, well, this is me now. This is all me. This I can do this. And we just look terrible again. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 the next, I think the next few weeks are going to be really, really interesting for, for, for Liverpool. Um, just... The fans are basically going to go militant if nothing happens soon. It's yeah, it, it, it's so far. I mean, six one against Stoke in the last season should have been the the end of it, really. But so far, fans have been a little bit like, look, everyone's trying to stay calm. No one wants to start shouting, you know, sacrilegious and all this stuff. But now it's got to the point where they've gone right. We've we've kind of we've remained calm. But could you please just get rid of him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, the, the thing, the, the incredibly worrying thing is, 
there's a manager out there who is proven quality, has won titles, uh, and he's, he, he, by all accounts, willing to listen to Liverpool and what they have to offer in Klopp. You know, from his, you know, from his camp have said, you know, he's open to the idea of it. Klopp himself has come out and said, you know, I don't necessarily have to go. To, I don't necessarily want to go to a club that are in the Champions League. I just, I just would be going to a club that can get in the Champions League. Mm. Whilst in the same paragraph, whilst in the same paragraph, was also talking about the Premier League. No offence, but I don't think he's talking about West Ham yeah, or sure. Tottenham or someone like that. I think there's a very much a, you know, we played um, Borussia Dortmund uh, pre-season last season. Um, and Klopp spent the didn't, spent the entire um, start um, uh, while we're doing the uh, warm-ups, just staring on the stood on the halfway line, looking at the cop. wasn't even watching his own team, just looking at the cop. And then at the end of the game, he walked over and walked and just stood and looked at the cop um, towards the end of the game, as you know, I think there was about a minute left, and was just stood watching the cop. That's interesting. Which is weird, which is quite strange behaviour. Um, and, you know, it might be pipe dreams or anything like that, but it just seems insane that you've got a manager there who is available, could quite literally start pretty much instantaneous and would appease the fans, and yet they're still continuing with Brendog. It's depressing for you. Even for you. No, I'm. Uh, you, no. You, you've bagged, you've bagged a, a, a great little star, haven't you, in Martial? Oh my god! Like that first goal today. I haven't, I haven't seen it. I was watching. I was watching oh, someone else. Oh man, he just sent. Nice. He just sent the Southampton defender completely in the wrong direction. Just completely faked him out and went for it. It was. Oh yeah, I mean, I... obviously a lot of money, like insane money. But I'm glad. Rooney's got some bloody competition up there because he was anonymous today, again, and just like he needs a fucking he needs a wake up call. I mean, like I'm sure he's trying hard, but when Rooney's bad, he's he's the worst. And that's it with, with Rooney. It, when when he's when he's on when he's on, he's he is, you know, the tip of a of a world class player. But when he's off, he's awful. I mean, when he's off, he's straight up like the negative for the team yeah. he actually actively takes away from the team you know he mm. he kind of goes for he goes for shots when he should be passing and he he, he kind of just I, the effort is is there the spirit is willing but it, i i don't know it's very odd i mean don't, i mean like the fact that he broke the england's goal scoring record with two penalties like i kind of think that says that all yeah, it, 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 it very much does. I mean, I, you know, there's, there's lots to be said about that. And it, it, it is, no matter which, which way you look at it, it's impressive what Rooney's done to get to 50 England goals. You know, there's, there's no getting oh, no, away totally. from it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, it, it just... But it does feel a little bit like, you know, yeah, but you were always going to. It, it, for some reason, it, it's a hell of an achievement, but it just feels like he's it, it, kind of, it kind of come a little bit too easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, could, have done, could have done with it not being a penalty. 
Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I mean, like, not exactly, not even a barnstormer or anything. Just not. I mean, the Christ, the one where you equaled it was a penalty to against San Marino. You know, it yeah. just. No. Anyway, let's move on. Oh, quick, quick fact before you do. Last Manchester United player to score, to score on his first two games. Sorry, who? Uh, last Man United player to score in his first two games for the club. Oh, pardon me. Um... So give you hope for the rest of Martial's career. Hmm. Who? Federico Macheda. Oh my God, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like a bolt yeah. of lightning. <laughs> yeah, thirty four, thirty forty a day, Machida. Right. Okay. <laughs> I very much doubt Martial will have the same thing. He looks like he looks like a really tidy player. Oh, I fucking yeah, yeah. Well, he bloody should be for that money. But anyway, um, Lovely, yeah. Right. So uh, there you go. There's some football talk to um, please some people. Probably not a lot, but um, trailers. <laughs> um, I watched a couple. Uh, yeah, it's actually. Yeah, yeah, I did watch a couple actually. Yeah, oh, um, the uh, the new Point Break trailer. Um, it's it just it just looks horrible. And as we've said before, neither is an anti anti remake or anti reboot or anything like that. Um, I admit to holding Point Break quite dear to my heart, but uh, when they announced the remake of Point Break, I thought, you know what? Yeah, it'd be nice to see what they can do with it. Uh, and what they seem to do with it is they seem to be making that that mistake of going, well, we're going to make a better version of it, we're going to go bigger. And I think, like we said when the first show was released, they look like they're trying to do something like a Fast and Furious franchise with it, uh, and it, it just looks horrible utterly horrible um pay the ghost um have you seen the trailer for this no no it's a is this nicholas no is it nicholas cage? Nick cage yeah okay yeah, it's a Nick cage horror movie um what is amazing about this is while the trailer's on and it announces nick cage it says academy award winner nick cage Fantastic. and you look at it and go oh fucking hell yeah Oh Christ! He was actually really, really good in that. Oh my God! And it's it's twenty years um, since he won uh, the Academy Award for leaving Las Vegas, and it, it's it's so long ago. Yeah. It's so so long ago. Even like bad lieutenant part of Call New Orleans seems like so long ago now. Yeah. <laughs> he just. He looks, he looks weird. It, it, he, he looks like the other bits that were left. Um, like, like him and Mickey Rourke are actually swapping facial bits <laughs> to just, just on, on, on a film by film basis. They just go, uh, do, 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 do you want to borrow this, this? Do you want to borrow like the quarter left hand part of my face for this film? And I'll borrow like, I'll borrow just like the the right ear and and I want like the left hand part of your jaw and they go oh yeah and it just clicks out like a, like some kind of weird Mr Potato Head thing and then they just stick it onto each other and go yeah that's good which hair are you gonna wear and Nick Cage goes oh, oh, oh I'm not messing with the good old Lego man there we go yeah it, it's 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 horrible um uh, but I will watch it um at some point because what why the fuck not <laughs> um demolition. Uh, the new um, Jake Gyllenhaal movie, um, which just now Jake Gyllenhaal in, that's it, I'm watching 
Yeah. Uh, this looks like it could be really, really fucking great. Uh, um, essentially, it looks... Have you seen the trailer for this one either? No. This is, uh, it's him and Naomi Watts, is it, if I remember correctly? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's... He uh, plays, from what you can gather from the trailer, a guy whose uh, wife dies. Uh, and it kind of it gets him to reassess his life because he works he works out that, that he's not he's never actually really existed or enjoyed life or anything like that. It looks like one of those kind of stories which you know we've we've seen played you know lots of times, but it's just now John Hall is so on fucking point with things that you're watching the trailer going, oh god that looks fucking good that looks really fucking good actually. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's. I think that there are more, but I'll, I'll let you throw a few in there and see if I can remember if I've seen them as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I only I, I only watched two actually. Um, so trailer for the Fifth Wave, uh, which is the next young adult book series, I think, being made into a franchise. Uh, so this is uh, Chloe Moretz uh, in this, and um, basically aliens come down and destroy humanity pretty much and then further try to do so by posing as humans or something and uh, Chloe Moretz needs to save her little brother or something um yeah just looks like another one of these basically I mean you know a lot of people crow on about fucking superhero films but there's an awful lot of young adult dystopian stuff about at the moment as well yeah um, there is actually isn't there yeah. you know and it, it just it's um it's get it's getting a bit much. Um, I mean, what what have we got? You got Hunger Games, you got Maze Runner, you got the Divergent ones, you've got this. Um, you had The Giver, that Jeff Bridges uh, Meryl Streep one that just didn't do anything, so they're not going to make another one of those. Um, and there's probably others, but there's five um, in in themselves. Uh, so I mean, that's and they've all had films out within say the last eighteen months. So it's it's getting a bit much. Yeah. It's just I don't know the fact it's aliens this time. I suppose in a way is interesting. Oh, the host as well. They tried to do that. The um, Saoirse Ronan one, which was fucking oh, majestically yeah. terrible. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's you know they they are trying these things. You know, and uh, but. Yeah, it looks looks very meh. I'll be I'll be on the reviews for that that one. I'm kind of incidentally, I'm kind of interested in the new Maze Runner one just because I've heard that like the first one, it basically should be a 15, but this one's got like zombies and jump scares in, and it, uh, apparently it's like super intense for what it what it is. So I, I'm intrigued by that. Yeah, I, I've heard the same that it, it's kind of. Um... It's followed what the first one has followed in the sense that it looked like shit, and then when you actually watch it, it's actually really quite good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is what the first one kind of did. The first one looked terrible from the trailers, then when you actually watch it, it's actually quite quite good. Yeah, exactly. I um, I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm I'm up for watching that. I'm not going to go to the, the the cinema at all. Um, no, for, no, for Maze Runner 2 but um, yeah I'm looking forward to kind of watching it when it comes out on VOD or whatever um, and uh, Hardcore um, oh yes yeah which is getting some really 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 like mixed word out of um, TIFF there, like, there are some people who are basically saying 
oh, it's essentially the death of narrative cinema and it's video games like taking over because it's all first person and whatnot. There are some people saying it's just an incredible action film. The the trailer, it looks interesting. Um, I'm very wary of how it's going to play out over 80, 90 minutes just in terms of is it going to be too much. Um, yeah, I, I, I was a little bit... The, the opening of the trailer with it basically saying, you know... Once in every generation, a movie. It's a bit like that's a full fucking statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and whether or not it's taking the piss out of itself, or whether or not it's been genuine, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of looks like it's got a bit of crankiness to it, which um, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very up for. And uh, I don't know, the poster's quite fun as well. So we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll see. I like, I like the trailer. I mean, it looks nuts. Um, if that's anything, if that film is anything more than eighty nine minutes, I don't think it works. No, yeah, I'd say maybe even eighty. Um, yeah, eighty nine. Yeah. I mean, eighty six minutes is the perfect running time for that movie. Mm, An even eighty number. I've got to say as well, it got bought for ten million dollars at Toronto for the rights to it. And like they have to apparently there's a commitment to release it on at least a thousand screens in the US. Um, how much did Crank make? Yeah, that's a... I mean, I, I suppose they're going to try and do it. They're going to try and make it by going, it's the first blah and blah, aren't they? But, yeah, what's Crank? Did Crank did 42, 42, 42 million. million worldwide. Okay, off a budget of 12 mil. What did the second one do? 34. Yeah... I mean, maybe then, maybe. Mm, but it, you never know. It depends. It depends when it comes out and what it goes up against. You know, we, there's a a packed schedule for the next six months. <laughs> as insane as it sounds. Uh, yeah, I. It just this type of film, I can't help but think. I mean, maybe seeing it in in the cinema would be an experience, and maybe they'll they, you know they'll just sell it on that, like the trailer yeah. actually kind of is already. Um, I just I don't see an audience going out to this. You know, I think the audience who would go and see this are probably too young to to see it. Uh, you know, I think the people who would actually bother going to see it in the cinema are probably fifteen year olds. There's no way this would be a 15. Uh, I suppose with an R, you know, adults can go and take them. But, um, yeah, I just, I, I think $10 million is a hell of a lot of money to be paying to acquire this. But, I don't know, maybe it'll go on and make $300 million worldwide and I'm an idiot. But It does seem like, again, though, like sort of studios um, are starting to say again, hang on a minute, not everything has to be a 12A. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, it does seem like that. You know, we've got, you know, or as well, they're looking at it rather than trying to make X amount of money um, every year by having three 200 million movies make 800 million. They're also looking at going, do you know what? If we can make 120 million out of a 30 million movie and we can do that five times a year, why not? You know, because there, there have been, you know, certain movies that are being essentially what you would count as movies that, that people claim don't exist anymore. Legend, for instance, you know, will probably go on to make a decent amount of money because it hasn't been released in the States yet. Um, Southpaw, for instance, did quite well. 
you know, uh, it, it, it pulled in a decent amount of money. In fact, Southport actually got a re-release because um, cinemas were basically saying, look, people are asking where the fuck it's gone. So it got a re-release in the States a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, 50, yeah $52 million um, so far in the States for Southport. That's not, that's not bad. It's pulled in 70, uh, over 70 worldwide, and I think it's still got to be released in Russia. So, you know, it might, yeah, it's not going to do massive in Russia, but let's say there's 5 million in Russia, which isn't against the possibilities. There, you've, uh, you've tripled your budget. Fuck, if, you know, if a $200 million movie triples its budget, it's called a success. So, you know, it, it, it maybe is a little bit like now the studios are going, you know, right, we don't have to chuck all our eggs into one fucking basket because we stand more chance of getting burned. So maybe they're looking at, you know, instead of going, you know, sadly, unfortunately, the Pacific Rim thing, for instance, mm. instead of looking at Pacific Rim and going, let's throw 200 million at Pacific Rim, going, actually, let's throw 50 million at four other movies. And therefore, if one of those, if, you know, if Pacific Rim flops and makes a hundred million, then fuck, we are seriously out of fucking pocket. But if we release four movies at 50 million each, um, and, you know, your marketing budget isn't necessarily you fucking double it up like you would do with your blockbuster. So if one of those makes 125 million, you know, and another one breaks even, you've, you've more chance a little bit. And they're, they're edging back towards that, it would seem. Mm. Uh, I can't, I'm just I'm looking at like the the general stats of the US box office at the moment. I mean, God, Jurassic World's just shy of 650 million in the US alone. Mm. That's insane, fucking mental. It's it, 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 it's crazy because if that movie had made had made just that amount worldwide, they'd have been fucking happy, yeah. like really, really, really happy because they seem to be going. Leading up to sort of the marketing of that, they seem to be going, we're not sure now. There was a little bit of judderiness oh, of, totally there was. have we, have we made a mistake? Could this, could this be the, the, the movie of the summer that flops? Uh, you know, in the same way that Marvel and Disney were going a little bit with Ant-Man going, have, have we bitten off more than we can fucking chew? Have, have we tried, have we stretched too far? I, Ant-Man just broke 400 million dollars. I mean, fair, yeah. fair fucking play. Terminator Genisys. Ended up doing really well. It's insane how this year has run, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, like just based on China alone, that thing's probably getting a sequel. So good work, China, because we both like Terminator Genisys. But um, yeah, I mean, and that, that you know that fucker pulled in you know 150 million nearly. But then, where, like, where's Man from Uncle? 96 million worldwide off of 75 million. Right, that's losing money, but it's probably not going to lose quite as much money as it maybe could have. And it's still got regions to open it. You know, that, that, that could be, that could be like, it could end up, Man from Uncle could sneakily end up being like Pacific Rim was a couple of years ago, where people are going, yeah, but it flopped, and then you're going, no, it didn't actually, I, it doubled its budget and more. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and people go, really? Like, yeah, it, 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 it snuck there. It's got a ways to go, but I mean, straight out of content, 150 million in the US off a 28 million budget, um, Where's Rogue Nation at? 650 million worldwide, Rogue Nation. Mm. You know, I mean, like, that's really good going as well. I mean, there's not been that many flops this summer. No, there hasn't. Someone's been alive and it's sort of healthy. There's, there's been, you know, the runaway leader with, um, you know, was Jurassic World. Um, 
Ultron did well, but, you know, well, fantastically well, but not quite as well as I think they expected. Um, but, you know, there hasn't been, like you say, the big kind of I mean, flops, I mean, the, which, which is good. I think the biggest is probably Fantastic Four, and even that's done 164 million worldwide. Yeah. No, what, 80 million was that? 164 million worldwide, 55 million America, 108 million worldwide, uh, the, the rest of the world. Yeah. I mean, Bad. Production budget not available. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the production budget on that was pretty hardcore. But, um, I mean, Christ, the gift that Jason Blum produced thing, um, 45 million worldwide off of a budget of 5 million. The Visit, um, again, Blum, uh, 46 million worldwide off a $5 million budget. You know, I, like, I, cinema's in rude health, man, or at least, like, block, like mainstream cinema is is doing all right it is yeah it, it's I'm, I'm just i'm big on the, the fact that it, it's now it's it's not belonging to the the you know the, the the i suppose the family market would be the best thing to do they're not they're not hedging the bets and going well if we can get if we can make a film where either the kids want to see the other parents have to go or we can make a film where the parents will go with the kids there we go we've got you know between two and five tickets locked in one there you know, we're hitting those kind of numbers they're now kind of going do you know what we're, we're going to go back to kind of making movies that cover a spread because you know who are the people that aren't going to see x y and z are we just assuming they're not going to the cinema no what if they are what if we give them something to see so an everest for instance yeah uh, I, I, Fuck it, that's a good segue. Let's go. Um, Let's on. I, I was just going to say, Pixels, 220 million worldwide um, off of an $88 oh, million dollar budget. So that's probably just about just about in the black. Like, yeah. just. So that got away with it. Fury Road, 374 million worldwide off 150 million budget. So, yeah. Probably just only, in the black. Again, only just. It's going to be interesting to see if another one, um, if another one comes out on iTunes tomorrow. <laughs> Blu-ray in two weeks. Oh. Oh. Anyway, I'm, I'll probably be talking about Fury Road next week. I got a feeling. I'm going to be on the iTunes store tomorrow. It's just going to be like I could watch this tonight. <laughs> I could, I could and, and all the features. I could just, and all the features. I could just do it because he's got all the features of the Blu-ray. Apparently. That's that's quite good actually. Though. You know, like yeah. Anyway, oh yeah. Uh, Everest uh, is directed by Balthasar Cormacor and stars a smorgasbord of uh, character actors. Uh, yeah. So it's led by Jason Clarke, but you've got um, Josh Brolin. John Hawkes, uh, Michael Kelly, um, Emily Watson, uh, Joel Edgerton. It, oh, that was Joel Edgerton, wasn't it? No. What, the guy? That guy um, who was, like, on the radio. No, that's not Sorry? No, it's, uh, on the, it's Sam Worthington. Fuck me, was that Sam Worthington? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? But really, honestly, yeah. Hang about. Shit, it's <laughs> off. <laughs> all right fair enough all right okay um bloody hell and was that the girl from man from uncle is like the, the doctor yes i know that Blimey. that fucking yeah 
I, 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 I thought, why do I recognise that name? Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. Wow, she, That's, she's a bit she's, of a chameleon, fair enough. Yeah, I, really, isn't she? Yeah, um, but um, uh, uh, fair play. Sam Wormington then, not Joel Edgerton, fair enough. Um, jo- yeah, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's in it, Kira Knightley, uh, Robin Wright. It's quite a... Um, and Naoko Mori as Yusuke, Yasuko Namba, a.k.a. the Japanese woman who gets about three lines and she's basically interrupted for one of them. Did you <laughs> notice this? <laughs> yeah. like, Mike, like Michael Kelly's like um, uh, a kind of in, uh, 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 a journalist guy is kind of in, essentially kind of interviewing everyone. And he asks her a question and then she says like one line. And she's kind of like, it seems like she's going to like say something else. And he just kind of basically turns around and talks to someone else. He's like, well, how no, about you? He, he literally, he literally tells her that her answer that she gave was bullshit. Asked her for a real answer. When she started saying it, it, he turned around and cut her off. Yeah, yeah. I, like, that was, that was weird. I felt really, this film already doesn't have a lot for women to do. You know, and it's getting a bit of shit. And... I can kind of see that, and it doesn't help itself when you treat that character like that. Like, everybody going, are are you okay? Seven Summits, wow. Yes, Seven Summits, very good. I mean, that's basically how she's being asked to perform it. You know, I'm Mm. I'm, I'm not being, I I don't think I'm being racist there. That's how she's being asked to perform it. Um, Anyway, um, yeah, so... Uh, the story is based on a, a, a real-life event in 1996 that I had no prior knowledge of, which I think very much helped me with, uh, with, with the film, frankly, um, where basically um, a, a, a combination of circumstances means that uh, a, a, like an expedition of uh, people uh, are basically stuck on Everest during a storm, and uh, they're led by Jason Clark, uh, who plays Rob Hall, who was this guy who ran this company where basically he arranged and not exactly a tour of Everest, but like the most handholdy safe way of going up Everest. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's a kind of a, a rival frenemy, but more friend than me, I suppose. Uh, and hmm. kind of a guy who he, he kind of teams up with and it, everything kind of goes wrong. Um, so Everest, um, just made, it just did like a $16,000 site average in the US this weekend, which is kind of insane. It only played on like large format screens and still entered the top 10. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's not officially released over there. I think is it until, um, until next week. It's on the chart, like... but it gets its like proper release next week. Uh, the walk's yeah. doing a similar thing in a couple of weeks' time as well. But anyway, um, Everest. Just quick, quickly on the walk. Yeah. Have you seen the trailer where he speaks yet? Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Hello, hey, I am Rangeman. Hey, my dream is to cross the wire. Yes. I will go across the wire with my CGI face. I have a funny nose. my hair looks like it's made of plastic Um, I look like I have a Lego head Um, it does look Lego heady that film I'm not convinced I am not convinced no, me, me neither. Me neither. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, Everest. Uh, were, were you convinced by Everest? 
And I'm, I was very much looking forward to uh, Everest um, because I, a few things I like uh, disaster movies. Uh, I, I'm interested in the story in general. Uh, it's got some great character actors in there, all of whom, well, mostly all of whom uh, I, I really like. Uh, and it's a movie with snow in it, and I like movie with snow in it. There wasn't any skiing in it, unfortunately, but you know, I, it, it takes a lot of boxes for me. Um, I, I was surprised with how much. Um, time is actually spent um, building it, building up to them starting the the, the, the ascent up, up Everest. Uh, um, I, I did think it would more be we'd get an opening sort of 35, 40 minutes of, of them, you know, getting to you know the you know the actual expedition, and then we'd have like an hour and a bit of them actually doing the the, the exhibition. Um, let's check you are recording, aren't you? Yeah. Mine's not. Um, so I, I thought we would get would we, we'd get that, but we actually spent quite a lot of time building up to it. Um, but I actually quite liked that. It, it kind of it did kind of give you the idea of going. You know, actually, it isn't shit, that they. my recording thing? I, I I I did have it earlier on. I did check. Where the fuck's it gone? Where the fuck's it gone? Is it? Open? Oh, what the shit? No, hang on. Oh yeah. Oh, thank fuck for that. Sorry, it just minimised itself. All right, yes, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah. so I, I like the fact that it gave you the idea of going that, that essentially it, it kind of said to you, without actually outright sitting you down and going, right, this is what happens. It kind of said, explained to you, look, people don't start at the bottom of Everest and then go, right, we're going to climb Everest, and then just climb Everest. They go in stages and go to camp one, camp two, and these various camps that are set up, and then they go from a camp and they go, right, now we're going for the, this is it. We're not going to be going back to a specific set safe camp. We're going to be, we're out there now. Yeah. You know, it's going to get fucking dangerous. And I, I, I enjoyed that. So it's without question not perfect. And there are some bits where you go, oh, no. Um, especially towards the end, but I I really enjoyed Everest. There's, it was it was it was emotional um, towards the end, and it did it, it did kind of start to fucking get to me at points. Certainly, yeah, no, absolutely. I um I, I don't think I'd even seen the trailer for this. You know, I went in just knowing the cast and the story. I can't. I don't know the last time that happened with a film I went to see in the cinema, if ever. Um, yeah, I yeah so. I went, I went in very much looking forward to it just because of the subject matter and that cast. I mean, I, I mean, I think that's one of the great strengths of it. Yeah, like I said, there's not a lot for, for women to do in there, and that, that, you know, that is a shame. It certainly is. I would maybe say, unless you're going to invent roles, then yeah. there's only a certain amount that women could actually do in, in this particular story. Yeah, because... Um, because it is kind of a, it is actually a true story. So yeah, even though, like I like I say, the the treatment of the, the the Japanese woman. If I was that woman's family, I think maybe I'd be a little be a little bit. Ha. Huh, okay, I'm not too sure how I feel about that at all. Um, maybe yeah. But um, yeah. So the bye bye Lottie. What did you think of Everest? Did you like it? <laughs> no. All right. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> what, did, what did you think? Boo! boo? Did you think you thought boo? Boo! Bye bye, Bubba. Uh, <laughs> did you hear that? 
yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, the... I, I mean, like, Lottie just coming up there was kind of appropriate. I did not know that Jason Clark's character... All spoilers all the time. Yeah. Jason Clark's character died. And I... The thing is, it really weirded me... The ending really weirded me out. Because I was really expecting them to mount another expedition the next morning. And then it's basically Josh Brolin's, like, like gets helicoptered off. And then it, the next scene, I think, is, like, everybody's just arriving back at the airport. And it's like, mm. hang on, what? And then it's just, yeah. like, it, it kind of ends before, like, the text at the end. With just, like, him, his body just on the mountain. It's like, what, really? What? Yeah. And it, it, and it quite literally is, it is still there. Yeah. I, I, that... Uh, wow! I, I like I, I it just because their last conversation, I wasn't reading it as a last conversation. Um, so you know when he says I love you, know, I love you. I'm I'm sorry. I don't think I'm going to be able to get to meet her, their daughter. Uh, <laughs> I just it the, the, it, it jarred me, uh, but in in a good way because I certainly I, I certainly wasn't expecting it. Um, even though. When you were saying the bits that make you kind of go, oh, the Josh Brolin bit at the end. Yeah, that's the bit I'm meaning. Like, if if that's actually what happens, then fair enough. I have to wonder if maybe some dramatic license maybe could have been used to make it a bit more than, right, so he just got up, dusted himself down, and then just walked off. No, I mean, that that literally is, is, is what happened. They They thought he was dead. Uh, and a, a, a kind of because you just don't have the physical exertion to, to pull somebody at that at that level. So they did literally just bleed them, and then he, he he quite literally did just kind of appear. Uh, <laughs> I mean that that's that, I mean that that's the, the bit the bit that got me was the the him having flashes it flashes of his family oh, God, yeah, was, a, was a little bit like oh no no whoever thought. That was a good idea because it wasn't. You know, it, it was. That's a bullshit thing that he said that ha- like actually happened in that. Yes, day. without question. Yeah. Without question. I, it, that, that that's the only reason why you could think it could be in. Um, and filmmaker has gone. Uh, yeah, go on. We'll put it in. <laughs> yeah, like oh, I suppose I have to do this then, don't I? Yeah, all right then, fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that was a little bit. What is it? And there's some of the some of the dialogues a little bit, a little bit on the nose. Where there's there's a few kind of moments where you go, oh, that was a bit expositiony. Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> the bit where there's a bit in the beginning where Kieran Knightley just calls uh, Jason Clark. So you come back, Rob Hall. <laughs> Wink. It's like that. It, that that could have been done by Sam Worthington going throwing in a bag and going, Rob. And throwing it, and you go, ah, Rob, just that was just on the little card that I just saw a second ago that said Rob Hall, Rob, get it, nice. Yeah. You don't have to go, Rob Hall, eh, eh. Yeah, I mean, I mean saying it, all, all this, I mean, these are minor quibbles for me, though. Because, oh, absolutely, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah you, you do get into it. Th- that thing you said about how long it actually takes for, like, all the shit to kick off. It's probably about halfway through the film before anything actually goes wrong. Um, yeah. You know, they, they're, they're kind of setting things up along the way, like the confusion about the ropes. Like, you know, the, the two... Um, 
the, 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 the two, oh god, what's the, the word? Um, Sherpas. Sherpas. Like the head Sherpas don't really like each other and you get the sense that, yeah, they're probably not communicating. Um, and there, there's, you know, the, the stuff about oxygen and whatnot. You know, so you've got the little things there. But like you say, it's not like in a, a Roland Emmerich film where you've got set up the characters, dodgy stuff happening, half an hour in, tragedy strikes, yeah. and then that's it for the rest of the film. Here, like you say, it takes the time to establish how it all works. It takes the time to kind of establish the characters. Um, and, and then it kind of kicks off from there. And to be fair, after it all kicks off. The, esta- the, the establishing of the characters, it doesn't really lead to all that much, but you, you don't really need it to. I mean, even though I will say that it kind of felt like maybe there was some stuff cut out where Josh Brolin, I never really, it was always like him and Jason Clark. It was always either their best of buds in one scene or they're standoffish in the next. Yeah, it, it does, like you say, it does seem like th- th- there's something not there because Josh Brolin kind of comes across you know, like he's been more difficult at points than that, that maybe isn't there. That he's that he's aware that he's quite an abrasive, not you know that he can be an unpleasant character. Um, but it, it, you get that feeling from him. But that could just be that Josh Brolin yeah. kind of thing because he always feels a little bit like that. Um, a, a, a case in point, though. I mean, like, there's the bit where they're going over the ladder and Josh Brolin kind of slips and Jason Clark has to help him. And then Jason Clark's like, you're right. And he's like, look, I didn't pay you $65,000 to be stuck waiting in a queue right here yeah. and then for this to go wrong. You know, I paid you to get me up there. And then the very next scene, like, basically, they're just fine and they're kind of partying and having some drinks. And it, it was a little bit, you know... Every, like the, the way, even the way that Jason Clark is kind of acting towards him, like every now and then, says like Beck very pointedly, but then he lets him use the satellite phone for free instead of charging him. You know, it's little things there that didn't quite mesh for me. But then again, you've got that. But then you've also got like the frenemy thing going on between Jake Gyllenhaal and Jason Clark, which I really liked. You know, I, yeah. I liked the way that it wasn't just J- Jake Gyllenhaal is the arrogant i know what i'm doing fuck the lot of you guy the arrogant fuck the lot of you guy is a random south african dude who has about four lines and then like his lot just don't make it anywhere close because they don't have oxygen you know so it's um it swings around yeah you can absolutely tell with 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 the way it's played between clark and uh and and gyllenhaal uh is quite close to the actual relationship that these guys apparently had where they did essentially a version of the same thing but in slightly different ways but there's you can definitely see in the way that they play the characters there's an absolute kind of mutual respect there and and, you know you get a point where i think gyllenhaal's character actually says you know when he's trying to say to him let's team up is like we have different styles you know and he does he calls him says you're a handholder it's you know you're the you're the best there is don't get me wrong but my view is if you can't get up there on your own what the fuck are you doing up there you know he's very much i think journal you kind of get the feeling that his his group are there to basically go that's the way you go and point at it and if anything if they fuck up they're there to get you know to drag them down whereas Jason Clark's are to go, right, this is how you do this, this is how you do this, I'll help you across here, and quite literally are there to, to, to pull them, you know, to it. Um, and that that's the kind of vibe that, that you get. And like you say, it, it, it is a 
good kind of, you know, you're beyond the 50, you know, halfway point, the 50% point, uh, when things really start to, you know, go wrong. Um, and it starts to introduce kind of like, I mean, Sam Worthington's character, literally, he's there um, at the start, the very start in the very first scene, and then all of a sudden he's there very briefly uh, in the middle, and then he becomes, you know, quite a prominent character within the story, despite the fact that he doesn't actually do a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, sorry, just a sec. Um, oh, Christ. Sorry, Mark, I'll just be about um, 30 seconds, mate. Sorry. Yeah, no worries, Mark. Uh, just a, a little, um, slight little tangent. Um, I've been selling ultraviolet codes on eBay. All right. Um, I was kind of surprised how much I got for them. Really? Yeah. Um, like, I, I just put, uh, like, I put four up on eBay yesterday, did them as 24-hour auctions. And, um... Right, so Interstellar, I got two pound ninety. Birdman, I got three quid. Uh, Back to the Future trilogy, I got four pound twenty, and the Cornetto trilogy, I got three pound seventy. I suppose it, 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 it's like it's almost like you know renting a movie, or something, isn't it? You know, it, it, it's akin to that, but they get to keep the the, the ultraviolet copy of it. They get to keep that. Um, but I suppose you know, rather than rent it on box office, why not get it and keep it? Yeah. I, it's that kind of. I, thing. I just want to try it, and people actually bloody bid on them. Anyway, that's oh, that yeah. So I, I, I just had an, an email from the guy saying that the um, the code for one of them wasn't working, but I think I did a typo. Anyway, um, yeah. No, I mean the the, the Sam Wormington character. It, well, Joel Edgerton, Sam Wormington, whoever the fuck he is, because my mind's <laughs> blown now. Joel Worthington. Joel Worthington. Yeah, and I, I feel bad because it's not like Sam Wormington and Joy Courtney where genuinely one of them could be the other um it's they are completely different people i feel like an idiot now actually but i don't know they're both australian they're both quite gruff and manly so uh i don't know but yeah his character was a kind of a weird one it's just that there feels like there's just shading in the characters that isn't quite in this cut like, for Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. what his problem was, like, why he was having difficulties, like, what was that? I, I, I think he, he literally, he had a really, uh, he, he had um, a chest infection and diarrhoea, essentially. Uh, and so, he, he, because he had diarrhoea, and, you know, what does diarrhoea do? It, you know, you become very dehydrated yeah, yeah. Um, from diarrhea and one thing you have to do if you're out in the desert or you're out in the extreme cold both of them have the same effect you're going to dehydrate no matter what um so it was it was that and essentially what the what they reckon killed scott fisher was the fact that he went up so far came down and then went up so far again that his body just couldn't it couldn't cope with that extremeness of that. It, 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 I think it was something crazy. Like in reality, he went from one camp and went almost to the top, went all the way back down, and then went all the way back up to the summit in a, a, like a crazy amount of time, like a ridiculous. If 
he'd have gone, if he'd have got to the summit and got back down, they wouldn't have let him go back up for like months or something insane like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and his body just went into shutdown mode. Oh, it's all about shutdown mode as well. i got to say, I think one of the, the defining images I'm going to take with me from, uh, from like this year is Doug full, just oh. dropping off. Yeah, because you see him just trying and he thinks he's obviously got the, he's got himself clipped on. Yeah. And then he just goes. And you think the worst thing is, you can see, the, the way it's shot is 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 fantastically yes. shot because you're seeing it essentially. So you can see um, Jason Clark and he's facing the other way. There's no way he can turn around. There's no way he can hear yeah, anything. Yeah. Um, and you're seeing it over his shoulder, yeah. so you know that in a few seconds he's going to turn around and be, and you, you know he knows there's only one thing that's happened. He's gone. And there's, like, no music there. No. There's a really long stretch of this film where there's no music. It's just the howling of, the like, the wind and the snow, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, the the sound design's fantastic in it. There was was bits in it where I was actually actively sort of... Because I was sat, um, like, smack bang in the middle towards the back in, like, the absolute fucking middle seat, not the back row, the the next row in. So, essentially, the perfect seat for the screen. Um, Because there's a... There's a Polish girl who works at the cinema and she knows, she seems to know every fucking perfect seat in every screen. I don't know how she does it, but whenever I get her on the counter, I'm always like, you pick my seat. Nice. And she always, she has, I've got about eight films off her now. And I'm not joking. It ridiculous as it sounds. I have had the perfect seat where I've sat down and gone, this is the perfect seat, oh, isn't that's it? That's good, man. Um, and there was a point where I was kind of looking around going, Fucking hell, that, that sound is, is incredible. And I was, you know, you, like, because you've spent time with these people and you've got to kind of, you, you know, you've got behind them and, you know, there's that human thing of, you know, these people are just, they're trying to do this amazing, staggering thing and then it's fucking killing them, quite literally. It's in, it's a, it's a staggering, insane thing. And it, it does kind of, there are points where you're going, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah, absolutely. There is. Um, I mean, I mean, I suppose maybe it just does. It doesn't quite get into the psychology of it. And also that, I mean, I, I kind of understand because they've got to be respectful. It's based off a book and whatnot, but like the whole, I would have liked a bit more of an exploration of just like the, why these guys feel they have to do this. And like the, I, I don't know the like the kind of the fallacy of pride and ego, um, mm. but you know, it it has to kind of be reverential as well because people died, you know. So it, it I suppose it's got to toe that line and it goes for where where it has to, it goes where it has to go to. Yeah, yeah. I, I I can't remember watching a movie. Um, the last time I watched a movie and was so much going all the way through it. I really hope there's a feature-length fucking documentary on how they made this motherfucker yeah. on the on the Blu-ray because I bet I, I, I want to know how much this is green screen, how where they filmed it, how high it was up, and all that. I bet the the making of this is fantastic, and I'd like to know a little bit more about the actual the actual people involved. Yeah, so would I. And I, I mean, because I mean, it's interesting because Jason Clark's character, it's basically his fault that he dies. Um, it, it yeah, is I mean, essentially his fault that Doug dies, and through that, it's kind of like that Harold dies. It's basically yeah, his I mean, fault. Yeah, and I mean you could argue as well. You know, you know he's 
He's persuaded by sentiment, essentially, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. He, You see it in his face. I think Jason Clark plays it really well, where he is just like, this is a really terrible idea, but, I, you know, I, but I, just, I, I, I just kind of have I, to. I won't be able to. Yeah, I think he looks at it and goes... It's not that far. I can get him up there, and I can get him. I can get him down. Because the thing is, as soon as he says yes, as well, you then get that. Like, because um, uh, uh, John Hawks is like, it's, it's, you know, it's right there. We're, we're here. And then afterwards, it's that shot where it's kind of like pulling back and showing the rest of it. And I was just thinking, like, yeah, that still looks like quite a way to go. Yeah, this is going to go so wrong. You know that that's that's not that far. If it's flat ground and it's walking to the nearest shop yeah. that, that that is fucking that's everest you know it, it it's 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 that's far that's that's far enough yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a good way of putting it man I, it, it just um yeah so it, it, it but obviously it kind of doesn't call him out on that because it, it this film's not going to and i suppose that's no i suppose i suppose that is fair enough i, I yeah um yeah i it just it's it's kind of it's thrilling, but in a, a kind of a weirdly understated way. Yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah, it's not like bombastic or anything. Um, it manages to kind of like have a lot of balls in the air in terms of like there's a lot of people in a lot of disparate places, but it pretty much kind of keeps it all together. The, the, the like the editing is is fantastic, and it's either that or just a really tight screenplay. I think it's a combination of both. I, I, you know, I, I'd happily watch if, if it comes out on when it comes out on Blu-ray. If there's a an extended two and a half hour cut, I'll happily watch. I could happily watch another. Ha- Actually, I couldn't happily watch another half hour in that screening, but I'll come to that in a minute. But I, I could happily watch it again and have more have more going on. Uh, and I, I don't think it'd lose anything of it. But you're right. It, at no point does it try and become an action movie. No, exactly. Um, it, 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 it's it's kind of just doing its own thing, and you know, the, the conf- I, I think there's a lot of confidence in that, you know, and there's confidence in not having a massive, massive, massive star in this. I mean, the biggest star in this film is Jake Gyllenhaal, and he is a supporting character, you know, and 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 and, and he would get incredibly angry if you called him a, a big star. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, you know, no, quite, yeah, um, as we just talked about with Southport, but um, I mean that. It, I, yeah, I, I've got a lot of time for this. Um, mm, I was, I was very impressed. Yeah, uh, definitely not shit. Um, definitely not it's shit. It's really, really, really worth your time. It's as we've said, it's not. It's certainly not perfect, but um, I, I, yeah, it's a solid two-hour movie. You, yeah, you won't get as many engaging, like in-the-moment experiences in the cinema this year as you, as you will with Everest, I'd say. Yeah, you, you, you will not get a more solid 8 out of 10 movie. Yeah, yeah, that's a really, yeah, bang on, yeah. that's bang um, on. Yeah, look, let's have your story. I I was, I have, a, I have a rule in a cinema where um I won't, I, I always buy a, um, a vitamin water when I go to the cinema. If I'm going to the city screen, I buy a Lipton iced tea. If I'm going to view, I buy a vitamin water. Um, and I won't touch a drink at the cinema uh, until the last forty minutes of the movie, oh, that's because I don't willpower. Sorry, because I don't. I don't want to go to the toilet. Yeah. And I'll also uh, at view after the trailers. There's an advert. So at the trailers, as soon as that that advert starts, I go to the toilet 
so I can come back and I know that I can get to the toilet and get back before <laughs> that advert's finished. And I've got the fucking, I've got at least usually about an hour or so until I can have a fucking drink. So at my usual, right, this looks like I watched this 40 minutes left, I had a drink. Yeah. But for some reason, the fucking living water went down way too easy. And I started to need the toilet literally two, three minutes later. But I thought, I'm easy. I've got 40 minutes. I can easily hold it for 40 minutes. I was then getting towards the end where I was looking at my watch and going, this film was supposed to finish at 12.51. Why is it 12.55 and it's still going? And I was starting to get to the point where I thought, I'm really enjoying this, but I physically can't sit here anymore I need to go to the toilet. So I thought I can buy myself some time if I undo the top button of my jeans because it will release some pressure on my bladder. So I undid the top button of my jeans, still wearing a belt, so it was okay. And I thought, fuck, no, it's still not happening. So I was doing that squirming thing. Yeah. And I thought, I've got the only thing I can do now is I can stand up. If I stand <laughs> up, that buys me five minutes yeah. if I stand up. So I stood up. Luckily, there wasn't a lot of people in my screening, but I stood up, but a woman then noticed that I was now standing up in the middle with my bag on, ready to go, stood with my arms kind of folded in absolute agony, but just wanting to get to the end of this movie, because if you miss the last two or three minutes of this movie, you're fucked. And then she looked at me, and it was just as um, the title, you know, it started to say... Rob Hall, uh, Rob Hall, blah, 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 and all that lot. Um, and she looked at me, and then my brain played a mean trick on me, and it went, that woman's looking at you. I went, yeah, I, I know, I know he's looking at me. she's looking at you. You look fucking weird. Like, I know I look fucking weird. You need to, you need to, you need to do something to make it look like there's a reason why you're stood up. And I was like, Sh- yeah, what, 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 what do I do? What do I do? I went, clap. That's a brilliant idea. Oh, that's funny, man. And I started clapping. My brain went, you fucking dumbass. (laughs) I can't believe you're doing this. And I was kind of stood up. You see, now I'm just a guy really slowly clapping in the middle of the cinema. And the worst thing was, everybody just turned around and looked. I thought, why am I still clapping? Oh, you fell end. And then it just came with the director and I just bolted. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, that is the second time that my bladder brain this week has, has, has played a trick on me. The other time was I was at a call. I'm going to go tangents like okay. here. I was uh, on a call at work uh, where I had to go and replace a frame for a customer. And the frame comes in two bits and i only have to replace one bit of it but the two bits are attached by essentially you know, that industrial strength like fucking cellophane stuff yeah sure attached by that so i got out my sanding knife and cut it open and went straight through my finger um and sliced off a a little portion of my finger so it's quite a deep cut and it started bleeding but i was busting for the toilet so i didn't want to draw attention to it to the customer because then if you started saying, oh, I'll get you a plaster, I'll get you a cloth, or anything like that, it was it could quite easily eat into five minutes' time where I needed to go to the toilet. So I thought, she can't see this. So I just jammed my hand in my pocket and then struggled with the frame and put the frame on with one hand and then essentially got out and had, like, a big blood mark all down my side of my leg. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. 
So I've established that if I raid the toilet, my brains are cold. Yeah, there it is, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yep. Um, right. That lovely story. Um, stories. Uh, should we do some um, some what we watched? I think I probably yes. got about twenty minutes left, so uh, I think we could do some. Oh, easy, yeah. Cool. Okay, do you want to start us off? Oh yes, I'll, I'll start. Um, I watched the Vacation remake. Oh uh, yeah, Re- yeah. Uh, I'll be watching this new one. Yeah, go on. How was it? Um, it, well, it, let's be honest. It, it's a bad idea, and it looked like a piece of shit. Yep. Did it? Let's be honest. In the trailers, um, and I was sat down ready to go. Do you know what? I'm watching it because I, I adore some of the vacation movies. Well, I adore all of them apart from European Vacation. Um, and then it, it, it starts, and it's Holiday Road starts, and you're like, go, oh, do you know what though? Yeah, all right, I'm I'm, I'm into it. Um, vacation is a terrible movie, a really really bad movie that I really, really quite liked and laughed a surprising amount. I spent the entire time turning around looking at Becky, who was just sat, just looking at me, going, what? And me going, how can you not find this funny? And they're going, because it's not funny, it's terrible. Um, And I just constantly laughed. It's... Firstly, the story is... As you would expect, uh, Ed Helms plays Rusty, um, who is a airline pilot now for a uh, short haul um, airline. Uh, he's very much essentially just Clark Griswold, but young. That's okay. it. He's, he's just he's just the son. He's got two kids, uh, James and Kevin. Uh, James is the older brother. Kevin's the younger brother. They have to constantly, uh, Christian Applegate and Ed Helms have to constantly tell Kevin off because he keeps bullying his older brother uh, by constantly telling him he's got a vagina um, and beats him up a lot. And and that's basically it. And it's just a series of little vignettes going along. I can can hear you laughing to yourself while you're talking about this. (laughs) It's because... Honestly, it shouldn't be funny, and it probably isn't funny, but I laughed pretty consistently all the way through it. Um, there's a there's a brief kind of cameo from Chevy Chase where he's in it for five minutes where I was actually howling with laughter, and I have a feeling that I am the only person who, who could say that about this movie. But again... It, it, this is an R-rated movie. There are, you know, there's a lot of, you know, sex jokes. There's a lot of f bombs, etc. You know, thirty million budget made near a hundred million dollars. Yeah, which is insane. This movie should have flopped and it didn't. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it. Please, nobody go and rush out and watch it because I'm terrible with comedy. You know, but when you do watch it, there is there are several laughs in it at least I think alright I'll watch it and I'll report back <laughs> yeah. I've got you know you know me I, I, I like Haunted House too so or at least yeah. I could tolerate it so what do I know but still um, also uh, I'll give you the ones uh, I um, rewatched Foxy Brown oh cool okay uh, first time in, in, in a long time actually that I've, I've watched Foxy Brown in maybe about sort of seven or eight years. Uh, Becky had never seen it. We watched it last night. Um, and, you know, the opening credits essentially are Pam Greer dancing. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Foxy Brown song. 
by the time the end credits finished, Becky paused it, turned and looked at me and just went, what the fuck is this? It's like, it, it's Foxy Brown. Went, she's like, but why were the opening credits just Pam Greer dancing and it just shots of her tits and ass? Like, well, it's Pam Greer. Mm. <laughs> what, what, what would you do shots of? Yeah. Like, that's a fair point. Continue. <laughs> um, it, it, Foxy Brown is one of those. It is. If it was a minute longer, it'd be boring. Um, if it was a minute shorter, um, it wouldn't have enough story. It is perfectly pitched. Uh, it is gloriously. Pam Greer, essentially. She just owns that role, despite the fact that, let's be honest, she's not a great actress at this point. Um, she was fantastic in Jackie Brown. She's been fantastic in other bits. But in this, it, it is, it's very much, it is what it is. And you have to kind of, you have to switch into a certain mindset of accepting that this is a style of movie in the black exploitation sort of era. This is how these movies were made. Um, and, you know, you have to put up with the fact that it, it, it's incredibly racist um, all the way through it. But it, 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 it's, a, it's a funny one. It, it's, such a, it's such a strange movie, Jackie Brown, uh, Jack Brown um, Foxy Brown. But it's also just ridiculously entertaining. Yeah, I, I like Foxy Brown. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to show her coffee in the next couple of days and see see how she gets on, on with with that. Huh? I've never seen coffee actually. Oh, coffee's really good, really. I, I prefer it to be honest to Foxy Brown. It, it, it's a it, it's a more together movie, whereas Foxy Brown, it's you know it, it wants to paint her as damsel at one point and badass at another point, and in every scene she's wearing a different costume and a different hair and all this, and it's you know it. It's wonderful and it makes the film brilliant, but uh, Coffee is much more, I think, of a, from what I remember, is much more of a kind of cohesive film. Okay. Um, and I also, uh, other one I watched, I'll just f- quickly yeah, yeah, flip through, um, is, because none of them actually have that much substance, to be honest. Sure. <laughs> uh, Cop Car. Okay, yeah. Um, how was it? It's, it's short. Mm. Uh, it's, Atmospheric. I've heard that uh, all happens. It's, um, yeah, nothing happens in this movie at all. Um, two kids steal a cop car. Kevin Bacon is the, um, uh, said owner of cop car because he's the sheriff and, and he wants it back because something bad's going on. I won't go any further than that because I don't want to give it away because it isn't our main review and, it, you know, it's a new film. Um, yeah, not a lot happens. That's not to say it's bad. Everything that does happen, you can see coming an effing mile off with the exception of one thing. But then once that's happened, you see the rest of it coming a mile off, quite literally. Um, but because it's only 80-odd minutes long, it gets away with it, with the fact that it looks nice. But... <sighs> I've seen a lot of people really heavily praising this movie. I, I, I just can't see what there is in it to heap that much kind of praise on it. it it's, it's by no means is it bad, but it's also not very good. It, it, it's incredibly undercooked, which I think is intentional. But the two lead kids seem... <laughs> 
they don't seem, they seem almost like there's something not quite right with them, but it's never explained if there is, or if we just suppose to suspect that they are just standard normal kids because they've run away from home. But they don't, they seem far too stupid to just be normal sort of nine, ten year old kids. Hmm. It's, I don't know, it just, it didn't work for me, to be honest. Becky loved it. She thought it was brilliant. Oh, okay. um, right. But it, it didn't, it just, just didn't work for me, to be honest, uh, Cop Car. But that's not to say it's bad, it's not a bad film. It's just, and I love films where nothing happens, but really, nothing happens. This is an episode of something, it's not a film. How, how long is it? 88 minutes long. Okay, that's not bad. However, what I will say is, the opening fucking credits are fantastic. Ooh. Black screen, right? Cut out lettering. Um, and the lettering is filled with um, essentially like an opaque version of a uh, police um, lights flashing. Mm. Uh, looks fucking great. Uh, and the whole film looks, the whole film looks very nice. Uh, it's just, there's, there's not a lot going on. Okay. Or, or if there is, it, there's just not enough given to you of what is going on. There is a great kind of section where nobody talks for about 15 minutes. Uh, that's quite nice, though. I will watch it. I'd, 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 I'd say I'd definitely give it a go, because it might be one that just didn't click any buttons with me. Okay. Hmm. I'll give it a go. Go on, then. What, what, what have you been watching? Um... So, I mean, like, I suppose the, the, the main thing to talk about is uh, Dear White People. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, this got uh, a fair bit of buzz, um, like, I think maybe last year or something. I think it may, it may have played festivals, but uh, or maybe it played them this year. I can't fucking remember, but, remember. but basically... Um, it was last year, oh, I think. Fair enough. Um, set on, like, a university campus where uh, there's uh, kind of a militant... Um, Black Panther-esque girl who um, does a kind of a campus radio show called Dear White People. Um, she's unexpectedly voted to be head of her um, house and um, she essentially starts the, the, the house that she's that she's a part of is essentially the 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 the, the non-white house on campus um, and even though, like the, the 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 kind of the campus hierarchy is saying that we are multi multicultural and whatnot, but essentially it's that. And um, she gets on the wrong side of the uh, of of another guy who is the son of like the uh, the the kind of the the not the yeah the dean. Um, I think he's the son of the dean. Anyway, there's the dean and then there's kind of the president, the president, because uh, another guy's the son of the dean. And yeah, um, she gets on the wrong side of um, him. Um, when he's kind of taking the piss out of her, um, but eating in her, her hall, in her house. So she's like, right, get the fuck out. And it's basically like a, is it because he's white kind of thing or is it because he's an asshole? And it basically pre prejudices are kind of examined and, um, like how militant she's at, she actually is is explored, and like why she is the way she is, but also why are the uh, like everybody are the way that they are, and it basically comes down to everybody's got a chip on their shoulder about something, 
everybody is an arsehole in some way, but some are more arseholey than others. <laughs> um, and it, it basically the, the kind of the, the selling point of the film is basically the the guy who she pisses off. Uh, but his magazine do like yearly parties, and this year the theme is essentially dress up in blackface and do stereotypical black things. Ooh. So yeah, very racially charged, but also fascinating because there's some stuff that goes on with the, with the lead girl, and you know there's some kind of hypocrisies about her. Um, but the, the idea is she militant because. She's essentially forced to by those around her who expect it of her. Um, yeah. Or, you know, it, 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 or, or, you know, is she actually that militant? It, there's a lot of this kind of stuff. And, like, one of the, the supporting characters is this black kid with massive hair who um, is also gay. Um, so, you know, he's kind of trying to fight against a lot of things as well. It's, it's very good. It's very good. Um, Is yeah, it? I, I, it's very funny, um, but it's fiercely intelligent, and it's got shit to say, like really serious shit, but not in a po-faced way. And it, it kind of, it, it, it succeeds in being more about character than about that overarching theme. So it's not chucking it at you 24-7, because it's more focusing on, on this character and her inner struggles. And there's some like revelations about her her character through, through the film. Um, but the supporting cast are cracking as well. And the guy who she pisses off, who organises this party, at least to start with, you kind of see where he's coming from in not not in that party, but in other things that he does. But he takes it too far. He totally takes it too far. But earlier on, it's like if they could have sat down and had a chat about it, you got a feeling it could have turned out a lot differently. He's not just a, a like just a racist dick from start to finish. He is trying to prove a point, but he's doing it in the worst way. Um. So it is. It's kind of it's kind of nihilistic, but it, it, there's some kind of hope at the end. But it, it, I don't know. It's funnily depressing, I suppose, which is weird. But it balances its tone really well. It's got shit to say. It says it, but it's also entertaining. It's it's very mm. good. Yeah, good. Um, so yeah, that's dear white people. Um, rewatch Dread. Um, because why not? Um, yeah, absolutely. Why not? Yeah, that, that that film's great. You know, it's yeah. it's contained. It's like ninety five minutes in and out. Um, you know, I really like the characters. The visuals are awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, dread. It's great. I don't really have to say too much about that. Um, and um, I realised I was slacking on my Bondophon a bit. Um, so I watched uh, two in the last week. I've still got, I think, 11 or 12 left, and that film comes out in about a month. Yeah, isn't it? October 23rd, I think Yeah, it is, something like that. So I've... It, it comes out on a Monday. Um, it comes out on a Monday? Yeah, it comes out on a Monday. It's like, I think it's having its world premiere and kind of out the same day. I think it's... I want to say it's Monday the 26th. I hope it's not Monday the 19th. It isn't. It's a 20th summer. 
Uh, I know it's 20 something because I remember looking at the what is it? Um, the, the, the release date for it, October 26th. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay, good, good. So I've got five weeks. Okay, so that's like less, just less than three films a week. I can do it. Okay, I can do that. Um, so yeah, I watched uh, Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker. Um, now, The Spy Who Loved Me is the turning point of more going from silly but not overly camp to this is fucking ridiculous um (laughs) it's fun um but it i mean there's a bit where a pigeon does a double take there's a what right basically bond is in a car and it's got underwater capability and it comes out of the beach uh, like of the sea at the beach drives away and then a pigeon looks at it and they basically like it does the pigeon like turning and looking and then it kind of like quickly reverses that image and then plays it back again so it's literally a pigeon doing a double take wow so it's got that um I mean, the, the plot is bloody ridiculous. There's there's an inkling of interesting stuff in there because it's basically Bond teams up with a Russian agent um, and they fall for each other, but then it's revealed that Bond actually killed her lover um, and he kind of does that in the pre-credit sequence, but he didn't, Bond didn't know that there were any relation before it all started. So then she's basically saying, look, at the end of this mission, I'm going to kill you. Of course she doesn't. He shags her. Um, but you know, it, 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 there's that kind of inkling there. Also, the opening half hour, forty minutes, there's a sequence set at the pyramids, which is almost like De Palma does Giallo, um, <laughs> which is mental. There's like there are bits where lights, are, you know, lights are kind of shining and then going off and then shining again and then suddenly there's an image there and then green light bathes it and then red light bathes it and it you know it's like a, 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 this is the first one that jaws is in and like he's a creeping menacing silent threat who's kind of bathed in red light and it's like this is awesome and then it's got a pigeon doing a double take you know so <laughs> it, uh, I don't know. It, uh, the spy love me. It's um, it is it is what it is. Moonraker is Bond does Star Wars with a disco theme of the Moonraker song at the end. Um, it's got a I I yeah I it, it's Moonraker is basically it's a film where Bond goes somewhere and the baddies attack him. And then he goes somewhere else, and then the baddies attack him. And then he goes somewhere else, and then the baddies attack him. And then he goes into space, and the baddies attack him. And then it ends. It's like every place that Bond goes, <laughs> someone is trying to hurt him. Um, but it does have Drax, the main villain played by Michael Lonsdale, who has got a lovely turn of phrase in this film. There are a lot of notable standout bits of dialogue from him. One, I tweeted one, and I just want to get it, uh, because I can't remember. It's like, ah, James Bond, you appear with the tedious inevitability of of an autumn, or something like that. It's like, (laughs) wow, all right then. Um, I 
it's it's great. I'm not going to look it up because I can't be asked. You know, so he's brilliant. I mean, his death is rubbish. He gets shot and then shoved into an airlock and then blasted into space. Um, But this is also the Bond film that has my favourite kind of sexy quip of all time, where at the end, someone says, what is he doing? And Q says, I think he's attempting re-entry, sir. Uh, Which is amazing. That is amazing. Um, So, yeah, Moonraker... It's, again, it's it's as campy as The Spy Who Loved Me. The next one is For Your Eyes Only, and that one is apparently supposed to be, like, one of the most serious bonds of all of them. Um, and I've never seen it. I've never seen... I've never seen no, it. No, I've not seen the next um, two coming up. I've not seen For Your Eyes Only. I've never seen Octopussy. Um, I have seen A View to a Kill, but then I haven't seen The Living Daylights, and... I can't remember if I've seen Licence to Kill. So all of them up to this point I had previously seen before. So I'm, I, I don't know why I haven't seen these ones, but I'm really looking forward to A Few Eyes Only now, so I'll probably talk about it next week. Um, and that's it for me. Cool, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's it for me. I've got nothing that's... else in terms of what I've been watching now. Um, so next week, there's fuck all out. Um, Beth. No, that's the week it. after. The week after, we've got The Martian, Macbeth, and The Walk. Ooh, I did actually. I, I, I saw, for the first time, an actual proper trailer for The Martian uh, today. Um, and I've gone very much from, um, you know, I really couldn't give a shit to, oh, actually, that looks quite interesting, actually. I'm super, super intrigued for The Martian. Apparently, it's pretty good as well. The 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 mm. only the only thing I can see really here is the um, Andrew Garfield, Michael Shannon film, Ninety Nine Homes. Um, there's something called Captive, starring David Oyelowo and Kate Mara. Um, eh, whatever. Um, oh, Anton Corbin's new film. What the fuck's this? Robert Pattinson, Dane DeHaan, Joel Legerton, and Ben Kingsley. It's called Life. Alright. Um, I don't know. We'll sort something out. We'll we'll sort something out. We'll 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 work something out. It is it is annoying though because literally the next the next week there's three films I really do want to see. I mean I want to see the walk. Yeah. But... Oh, actually, uh, hang on. The walks second um, of October in IMAX, ninth of October nationwide. Okay, so it doesn't actually properly come out to the next week but that week we've got Sicario and I'm, Sicario. I'm seeing Sicario so yeah Sicario <laughs> yeah so um, I don't know we'll, we'll have to sort out something for next week maybe there's going to be something on VOD that we can see or something I don't know exactly yeah we'll, 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 there'll definitely be something yeah we do, I think we, don't, we, have, we actually have actually got a question oh shit have we okay cool shoot yeah we do I'll just get, it, get to it but yeah we will, we'll, we'll do something it'll go there'll be we'll find something to do I'm sure even if we do some kind of retro review or something. Uh, there we go. Uh, Marcus Zizou, uh, Team Zizou, uh, asks, with Verite and Dissolve closing slash film a joke, are bloggers' days numbered? Has Letterboxd and Twitter killed them? Um, no. Um, I think it's, the, the, it's kind of, it's moved, I yeah, think. Yeah, um, I mean, there's always a space for longer form criticism. Um, but bloggers specifically, I mean, I don't know. It depends what type of blogger, really. I, I think the problem is it is it, it's become 
so loaded with things like like people the people who if you've got a blog a film blog and you know Ian will know this better better than me I've had brief experience with it um you're doing it you're not doing it to make money you're doing it out of the sheer fucking love of it and the problem is you have to put a lot of time into it a lot of time that you just sometimes just don't have and you just don't get um and so the people who are, who are actually giving over that time want something back from it. It might not even be financial. It might just be the the idea that their blog's doing well. And when you see, they see things like that is all going away um, and things like Slash Film, you know, doing as well as it is, it, it starts to make them look at it and go, ooh, well, you know, I'm going to do what they do. And then you, you just start getting articles that essentially just fucking clickbait. It's... It's one of those things where it's already well and good sitting down and going, I'm going to start a film of sight and I'm going to write reviews of each movie that comes out. But then it's when you actually pile that up, there's there's so much work that goes into it that, for instance, I wouldn't bother now. You know, if Noel came to us and said, I want to redo Film Run, I'd be like, I'm up for that. I can throw a few things together a month and and put it out there. I'd happily do that. But I couldn't do anything. I I need an article a week. I have this for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Jesus Christ, when I used to like be the number, the number two at Eat Sleep Live Film, it just, it was an awful lot of work, and the only reason why I was kind of able to do it was because with the projectionist role, you know, I had a lot of time where I was in the house during the day, like before a late shift, and Don wasn't about, so it just like I'd be doing that essentially, and I mean, like, because I, I was still doing it when I started, um, when I left the year and I started working for the AA, and. Um, I was like doing shit in my breaks and it was becoming a bit all encompassing. And like now there's no way. I mean, like, unless it was my job and it, they, yeah. they, you know, the, the, the harsh reality of it is unless your site is willing to have a shitload of advertising or be clickbaity as fuck, it's not going to be a job. It's just, it's not anymore. Um, no. you know, I mean like, I, I, I don't know. Like film criticism in print media is pretty much dead. Um, yeah. And what I mean, what have you got left? I mean, I will say, I find it kind of surprising that a lot of people haven't moved into the YouTube arena. There's not a lot. Like you look at video games, and there are like YouTube channels all over the fucking place. Well, yeah, I mean, I think one of, one of the biggest, um, the biggest sort of YouTube channels you know out there i can't remember what it's called that has got some crazy like 52 million subscribers is a games review yeah. yeah exactly you know it's i mean this is it and yet you look on uh, you know on on youtube for, for professional film criticism content or even film news content really and there's fuck all no, there's maybe there's a couple of different channels, but I, th- I think the film has kind of has adopted the, the podcast medium quite well, um, and I think part of that is the, the idea of you know we could quite easily if you lived in York or I lived in Cardiff, um, we could quite easily do go right once a fucking week we're gonna go and watch the movie and then we'll get together uh, another time a week for an hour and we could do the the YouTube bit. Mm. 
Uh, whether or not we would or not, I'm not saying we would, but we, we could do that. Um, but we don't. We live in different fucking countries, um, you know, X amount of miles apart. So this is how we, you know, this is how we communicate. And you've got, you know, um, Mike and, and Paul um, of Chainsaw uh, Punter. They live fucking literally the opposite end of yeah. the world uh, to each other. And they managed to, to, to crank it out. There's, there's that with, with film. It, it definitely seems to, there's an abundance of, of, of film related podcasts out there. Um, not quite as good as the one you're listening to. Um, but there are a lot out there. Uh, it does seem to have sort of taken on that medium. And it's, it, it's, you know, we get an hour and a half, um, you know, between an hour and a half and two hours, you know, usually every week where we can talk about, you know, these movies. We can talk about what's been going on and we can essentially do, what, what is a magazine a, a week in kind of audio form and you know people don't have to sit and read it on the toilet um in their lunch break they can you know they can read it while jogging or while walking to work or while coming home from work which i think when most people listen to podcasts is at, at work or on their way to work or on the way home to work or doing housework there you go it, you know that's where you guys probably are listening to this now in one of those situations whereas if we had written all this fucking down to be honest a lot of you probably won't bother. Yeah. <laughs> as sad as it sounds, you know, but you wouldn't as much. Yeah, no, exactly. exactly. Yeah, no, it's a fair point. I, it's, um... Yeah, I mean, God, when do I listen to podcasts? I listen to podcasts a lot when I'm taking Lottie out for a walk as well, actually, just because she, um, like, she still... I still take her out in the pram if she wants to have a nap or something. I'll put her out in the pram and that'll knock her out, so... But, um... Yeah, no, that's interesting. I mean, it's... It is a shame. I mean, like, the Dissolve closing was horrible because it was just, it was the one site I went to regularly. Yeah, it's the only one I, I, I read. I don't, I, there's, there's, there's literally none I read now, I to read be honest. I read IndieWire, um, but I don't know, they're, they're, they changed their layout about six months ago and it's fucking horrendous. Um, uh, but, I mean, the thing is with the Dissolve, they just didn't really have any advertising on there. They, but, no. you know, they... You know, they didn't really do clickbait. They kind of stuck to their morals and they closed down really quickly. So, you know, it's 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 hard out there. And I mean, George with Verite, you know, I mean, like he he tried to make a go of it and it didn't quite. It didn't. It, it, you know, it was too much work for too little reward. I, I, I I'm assuming would be the case. Yeah. You know. You know, and it's it's it's, it's a shame. Cause it was it was a great. You know, it was a great read. Yeah, yeah, no, as well, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, is is blogging dead? I, I, I don't, I don't think so. But is blogging that you actually care about dead? It could be kind of close to there, I suppose. Yeah, it, it's, it, you know, it was. I don't know. Maybe it was never going to last. You know, the idea. The problem is. What happened is blogging to an to an idea to an extent killed off um, the idea of a paid film critic because it kind of went well. There's all these guys willing to put out there all this content for free. Why the fuck are we paying people to do it? And then those guys went, "Hang on a minute, I was doing this for free to try and do that, but now that doesn't exist." And it it's kind of it 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 shrunk down. Um, uh, and that's where things like this have kind of cropped up, and you know. And we're going to keep fucking doing the show for, well, for fucking, we're not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, no, it's kind of weird yeah. to think just how long this show could actually go on for, frankly, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, 
yeah, I mean, fuck it. We we could we could fucking quite easily in some form or format be doing this in you know, ten years time yeah, or some description. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um. So yeah, but um. I, I don't think it, it, it's going to completely ever go away, but I, I do think the idea of it being a group of friends running a film website is pretty much yeah, gone now. Agreed. So, on that depressing note, that's it for episode 127 <laughs> of Dude and the Monkey. Uh, at Ian Loring, at Dude the Monkey, and Dude and the Monkey at And uh, we will be back with something next week. Yes, absolutely. Speak to you soon, guys. Thank you very much for listening.